Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Hello, I'm Dr. Steve Kopetsky, a preventive cardiologist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. It's a great pleasure to introduce my colleague and friend, Dr. Anna Svatikova, assistant professor at Mayo Clinic in the Department of Cardiovascular Disease, the Division of Preventive Cardiology. So welcome, Anna. Thank you so much, Dr. Kopetsky, for having me. Great to, great to have you here. So I'd like to talk for a few minutes about inflammation in the heart. You know, it's so important. It, it's really, we're realizing how much more important it is uh, almost every year. And, you know, can you just help tell us what is inflammation and, you know, how do we define it? Yeah, it's a very good question. So inflammation in a nutshell for, as it relates to heart disease, is an important pathogenic component of cardiac and vascular disease. If we think about systemic inflammation, we know that it's simply our immune system at work, so it should be good. But what we have learned, especially as it relates to the heart, that it can cause trouble. Especially it can cause trouble if it's constantly turned on. And the, the turning of the immune system and inflammatory responses is due to a lot of bad risk factors and bad habits. Uh, excellent summary. And then, so what are the effects of the inflammation on our body and specifically our cardiovascular system? Yeah, so um, inflammation, um, first and foremost, um, the whole process starts that when we have too many cardiac risk factors, and we know that, that high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, smoking can lead to endothelial injury. And once the endothelial injury starts, it sets off a cascade of um, immune responses, a cascade when inflammatory markers are aggregating, then there's platelet aggregation, and ultimately leads to propagation of atherosclerosis and then a plaque. And what we have learned over the, over the years or decades is that most likely inflammation stands behind a lot of the plaque rupture that happens. So it's our, our lifestyle, our, our risk factors, as you're pointing out, that lead to the inflammation. And then, so something, uh, the inflammation affects the endothelium and allows these other processes, the atherosclerotic process allows right. the cholesterol molecules to give in, mm -hmm. which propagate more inflammation and injury. Yeah. The, um, the how do we measure this? So inflammation can be measured by multiple blood markers, but the most commonly used is the high sensitivity CRP. And um, it has a very nice sensitivity to detect disease, which defines even people at lower risk. So we use commonly high sensitivity CRP. It's an acute phase reactant. Uh, so we have to understand that the values of CRP can be very wide. So for instance, if somebody is in sepsis, the CRP will be sky high. However, when, when it relates to kind of heart disease or systemic diseases that are kind of low grade and constant, these levels can be, can be low. So uh, um, it's a wide variety of the CRP levels. So the, the set rate is not helpful. Um, we use um, that as well, but higher sensitivity is the CRP levels. There's other ones that we can, or some studies use, like a, um, a fibrinogen, or we can use ferritin levels, so um, some other markers as well. 
the inflammation is there. Mm -hmm. It's leading to this atherosclerotic process and pro propagating it. What do we do for it? How do we, I mean, you mentioned risk factors and such, but yeah. is there, is that, does that play a big role? So risk factors um, play a super big role. It, it, it's what starts off the endothelial injury and propagates the whole cascade. So when we talk about life um, or, or lifestyle, when we talk about that, it's important to point out that it's uh, obesity. Um, it has been shown that people that have visceral obesity have a higher uh, CRP levels, a poor dietary habits, so eating, um, eating diet that is high in saturated fats, that is high in processed or ultra-processed foods, is um, also detrimental and sets off the inflammatory processes and lack of exercise. Right now we are sitting so much that, you know, sitting is considered a new smoking. So um, these risk factors are very important. So addressing these risk factors is, uh, I believe, the, the, the cornerstone of uh, uh, kind of subsiding or preventing the inflammatory processes. And of course, there are also medications that are out there that, you know, have the potential to reduce the inflammation. So the uh, lifestyle very important. You know, unfortunately, uh, during the pandemic, we are. You mentioned the ultra processed foods. Mm -hmm. Our ultra processed food intake has gone from about fifty six percent of our daily calories in this country mm -hmm. up to fifty nine percent. And for yeah. adolescents, two thirds of their calories or ultra-processed food. Do we find this inflammation even in adolescence, you know, age? Absolutely. So early on, the whole inflammatory process starts early on, even in childhood. We see so much obesity, and uh, actually a lot of the inflammatory markers are set off in the, in the adipose tissue. Uh, so certainly it starts at a, at a, at a young age. Mm -hmm. Now, the, you mentioned the visceral adiposity, which, of course, plays a big role in the, in the inflammation. Mm -hmm. Are you a believer in this concept that the, the visceral adipose tissue actually, as we uh, you know, changed, as we evolved to organisms with uh, a mouth and uh, an anus, that we started our visceral adiposity, took over some of the inflammatory role from the liver. I mean, that's what some of the yeah, studies have shown. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I, I believe in that, and I think that there's a lot of truth in it, that, you know, the adipose tissue is becoming the endocrine organ that sets off this whole process. So is this, is this part of a process that used to be a good thing for us and now is actually a bad thing? Yeah. Almost like clotting of arteries? Right, absolutely. That's, that's a very good point. And I think it, like you said, points out to the importance of, of, of our dietary habits, of our exercise, and how do we modify our lifestyle? You know, keep up the good fat and prevent the bad fat. So in terms of dietary habits, you know, there's a lot of studies that show that the inflammation can be reduced by healthy, you know, Mediterranean type of diet and that there are components of Mediterranean type of diet that prevent or can reduce the inflammatory responses, especially extra virgin olive oil, nuts and seeds. So these are some of the kind of important factors how we can uh, prevent the uh, inflammatory processes. Well, that's a wonderful tip. So those things in the Mediterranean actually will reduce your CRP and reduce your in inflammation. Right. So we have known for uh, for quite a while now that the Mediterranean type is the, the healthiest in terms of preventing uh, cardiovascular events. But um, a recent study from the Women's Health Study showed that actually the main driver for reduction of cardiovascular events is their importance in anti-inflammatory responses, more so than their effect on um, on uh, the glucose or, or lipids. 
Wow, so that's how the, the inflammatory uh, potential mm-hmm. of the Mediterranean diet reduces some of these other things like arthritic pain and things like right, that. Right, absolutely. <clears throat> and you bring a very important point, the inflammation, you know, we see a lot of patients in our clinic that have systemic inflammation already present because of having rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriasis, and these are important um, comorbidities that we have to pay attention to because these patients, especially that have uh, systemic inflammation present uh, from other conditions are especially at higher risk of having uh, uh, heart disease. Why is that? Is there a mechanism that's understood that may lead to that? Right. So um, the mechanism, so we still feel that it's the ongoing um, low-grade inflammation that happens in the body that cause the uh, atherosclerosis or atherosclerotic process, and it's like a perpetuum that accelerates it. There are some studies recently um, that look at bone marrow and the effect of bone marrow activation um, that would be activated even before the process of inflammation starts. And Dr. Valentin Fuster this year published in the European Heart Journal this study showing that we should not forget about the bone marrow. So the bone marrow actually puts out like myelocytes that are pro-inflammatory or right. perpetuate this process. Yeah. So it's a systemic response. Systemic response. And what, what was interesting in his study that they looked about 700 um, patients that were you know, seemingly normal, healthy people. And um, they found that the bone marrow activation is triggered by presence of cardiovascular risk factors. So mostly those that are components of metabolic syndrome. So factors like obesity, high blood pressure, abnormalities in triglycerides or HDL, and they trigger and cause activation of the bone marrow. And interestingly, it was found that the activation is present even in people that did not have CRP elevation or did not have the inflammation present yet. So, you know, we should stay tuned because the bone marrow, like you said, the myelin cells can kind of start the process even before mm-hmm. we are aware of the inflammation. Mm-hmm. So this may be actually involved in like the process of people get influenza, mm-hmm. then their risk for heart attack goes up and people to get the flu shot annually, yep. their risk for heart attack is down. That's so it, right. All these inflammatory yep. processes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fascinating the way everything is connected in the body, isn't it? The, um, you know, you mentioned about lifestyle. What about medications? Do we have meds that work for this? Yeah, um, a very good point, very good question. So yes, we do have medications. Are they used clinically? Um, it's still work in progress, I would say. There are several clinical trials, and I will start with the latest one that was on colchicine. And um, we frequently use colchicine for pericarditis, patients with you know inflammatory um, uh, cardiac diseases. And the study uh, showed on colchicine that even low dose um, daily colchicine reduced the CRP levels. It did not reduce the cholesterol in these patients, but it did have protective effect and reduced the risk of um, cardiovascular events. So that's one of the latest one. Before that, we have the study uh, CANTOS trial that looked at canakinumab, which is a monoclonal antibody that targets the inflammation upstream of CRP. That study also showed that CRP is reduced. It showed that there is decreased number of cardiovascular events with the medication. However, the trial was stopped earlier because it had higher incidences of fatal infections, most likely by driven by driving the immune system too much you know, that people became more prone to infections. Mm-hmm. Um, then metotrexate trial uh, is also worth mentioning. Um, 
this study was negative and did not show reduction in cardiovascular um, cardiovascular events. Um, these are more of the novel ones, but let's not forget about statins. You know, the stat uh, statins across the board have been shown to decrease the inflammation and decrease CRP levels as well. Uh, this has been, you know, um, the, the work started to be um, like in 1990s uh, with Dr. Ritker that showed that uh, CRP is um, elevated in in patients that have a lot of cardiovascular risk factors. And uh, now we are learning that actually the statins have a huge effect in reduction of CRP along with reduction in LDL. And so, uh, oh, that's very interesting. And so we assume that the newer agents, the PCSK9 inhibitors probably also will be involved in that and can reduce some of these inflammatory markers. Right, right. I think it's still a work in progress. We know that the patients that have the residual kind of a lipid lowering effect or, or need, the PCSK9 inhibitors are um, a very important option for them, but uh, how it affects inflammation, we still have uh, some room to learn. Yeah, yeah. The, do we know anything about, uh, uh, we assume that, you know, lifestyle is important, some meds are important, but most of our studies in this country are usually medicine-oriented and, yes. and don't really, you know, put medicine against lifestyle. Do we, we assume these things are additive and we should do both? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm a strong believer in lifestyle, so I think we can do a huge amount and a huge percentage in li uh, by, by modifying our lifestyle. And certainly the medications, especially if patients have the systemic disease like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, I think it's very important to get the, uh, you know, treatment for these conditions. But really lifestyle can, can bring down the inflammation very much down. And then two other lifestyle mm -hmm. factors that we haven't talked about, sleep. And yes, stress. Absolutely. Are they they involve yeah. too, you think? Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about sleep, working with Dr. Summers. Yes, um, huh? And early on, we actually, uh, our, our lab shown that patients with obstructive sleep apnea have actually elevated CRP levels. So sleep apnea and the repetitive episodes of hypoxemia that happens during sleep is a big trigger, not only for oxidative stress, but also for inflammation. So CRP levels in patients that have sleep apnea is elevated. Interestingly, uh, there are also studies that um, CPAP decreases the CRP levels and decreases inflammation. So uh, there was a study that, you know, ever, even three-month use of CPAP reduced CRP levels significantly. So that's one thing. And now stress is the other point, like uh, now COVID time and stressful lifestyle, it's a combination. And I think uh, that's um, also very important uh, and using stress reduction techniques, um, using physical activity, increasing physical activity exercise has been shown to be very powerful in reducing inflammation. And uh, clinically, how do you follow the infl you know, inflammatory response in patients? Yeah, a very good question. Now, what we in the 2018 uh, ACC AJ guidelines for um, uh, risk assessment, ASCVD risk assessment, now we have the data to incorporate inflammation also into risk assessment as a as a extra risk factors or kind of triggers for increased risk. So I um, frequently measure CRP levels uh, in patients, especially if they are at the intermediate risk, where we are deciding, you know, should this patient be um, on statin or not? And I think it's a very powerful marker, the CRP 
therapy and the, knowing about inflammation. So um, I, um, I measure that and um, uh, then we know that statins decrease CRP and decrease inflammation. So that intermediate kind of or a gray zone patient that has a high CRP, um, despite having, um, you know, reasonable lipid levels, I think we should uh, look at that, look at that patient carefully to see whether statins would be of help. And now some of the CRPs are quite elevated that we yes. feel are not, of course, due to coronary disease. Is there a number in CRP range where you say this is likely something important? Yeah. You know, they're real high there. Absolutely. So around three, you know, some studies so, so uh, tell us, you know, more than three, most of most commonly is kind of a, the zone where we try or more than two and a half, you know, to, to start, um, you know, incorporating inflammation. And then um, what we have learned is the higher the CRP, there is a linear kind of increase in cardiovascular events as well as well as in inflammation. So the values matter. And like you said, there can be, you know, CRP levels that are elevated for other reasons, um, but if they are super high, then we are looking for the big trigger. Okay, and to be clear, we're talking about uh, high sensitive yep. CRP. Yeah. And does it change quickly? Do you have a absolutely? So a high sensitivity CRP is an acute phase reactant. Uh, any infection in the body can trigger CRP. And uh, high sensitivity CRP has a, such a good sensitivity that um, picks up the, the inflammatory responses. I like to kind of check it periodically in those intermediate patients or when I'm thinking that, um, you know, risk reduction is further important, um, we, we tend to monitor it. Well, this is a fascinating discussion. The, um that uh, as we learn more and more about inflammation and, and how the so many parts of the body are connected, the right. sleep, the stress, the yeah. eating, the uh, you know yeah. our, our bone marrow, our visceral fat, yeah. and the poor heart and the arteries are getting right. the brunt of all this. So. Um, any, any other things you want to discuss or any, any final? You know, I think it's very important for us to talk to patients about inflammation because people know inflammation. You bump your ankle, you twist your ankle, you cut your finger, you know that there's inflammation. You know, it's red, it's warm, you know, they, they feel the, the pain, but they don't know about inflammation in the heart because it's so low-grade chronic that they are not aware of the inflammatory processes going inside and causing the whole process of atherosclerosis down the road. So yeah. I think it's very important to talk to them about it. Yeah. So avoid, uh, if you're out in the sun all day, expect to get sunburned. <laughs> right, yeah. If you're overweight and don't exercise, expect exactly. to have inflammation. Exactly, okay. yeah. Well, Dr. Svatikov, this has been a, a fascinating discussion. And uh, thank you for enlightening all of us about the role of inflammation in the heart, how to approach it, and how to improve our patients' uh, our patients' outlooks. Thank you, Dr. Kopetsky. My pleasure to be here. So it's been great for you to join us. We appreciate you listening to us today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.